Good morning, Destiny family. We are looking forward to our parking lot party today at 2 o'clock. It's going to be a great time, just a Destiny family reunion. It's kind of our first step of starting to gather together. If you are comfortable with social distancing outside of your car, then you can feel free to bring uh, a lawn chair or whatever you'd like. Uh, and if not, then just feel free to stay right there in your vehicle. But two o'clock today, and uh, we'll gather together on the parking lot. Just have a celebration of, of family. It'll be so great to see everybody. Um, I want to just mention that next week, one week from today, is Mother's Day. So we're wishing a happy Mother's Day to all of our moms. And we want to celebrate you by uh, doing our traditional annual drawing. So we're going to be doing that again this year, but we're going to take a little different approach. We want everybody to be able to, um, to participate. So we're asking if you will post a picture of your mom or moms of yourself and hashtag DestinyOKC. And then we'll go through those hashtags, and in the process of that, <clears throat> we will do a drawing a selection process that'll be random. I promise my wife won't win, um, but it'll be a selection process that'll be random, and then we're going to give uh, prizes away. So you need to, again, post a picture, hashtag DestinyOKC, and this must be done no later than May the 7th to be qualified to be a part of the drawing. Um, so post online before May the 7th. Watch our social media. They'll be giving more details in the progression of that as we uh, walk all that out. So that is one week from today, and I just want to make the announcement, and I want to make this very carefully. I want to make this um, very thoroughly, that one week from today, we are doing our online services just as usual, 9.30 and 11.30. But in addition to that, we are going to be gathering right here in the building on May the 10th. It'll be the Mother's Day morning <clears throat> that we're going to be coming back 9.30 and 11.30. So please listen very carefully. If, and this is a great big if, you need to um, pay attention to this and share this with others who will be coming or who are desiring to come. If you are in any way categorized according to CDC guidelines um, as a high-risk category, that would be over 65, that would be um, small children, then we're going to ask if you have a compromised immune system in any way. In fact, if you just feel uncomfortable, it's just too early for you to come back, you want to let some people try this out first for a few weeks before you're um, stepping into that, then we're going to ask you just stay home. Join in online, and uh, we'll, we'll have a great time of ministry just as we have, and I'm so thankful. It's been so rich. God's just been so good, so faithful. I'm standing here in our auditorium right now with just a handful of people who are prepared to do worship, and I'm looking at a camera. Um, <clears throat> we had little plastic statues up here that they moved because they didn't want them in the camera shot. I was just being funny just to have somebody to preach to. Um, but honestly, it's just not about that. It's about the power of God's Word being demonstrated in every one of our hearts. There's an anointing that comes upon us as the sons and daughters of God. When we begin to function in the gifts that He's called us to function in, that's why we are doing what we're doing right now. The power of God is invading your heart and invading your home that you would rise up and become everything God desires for you to be, that we as a church family would rise up and become everything God's called us to be. And I want to talk a lot about that emphasis today with what we're going to focus on, but I need you to understand uh, when we gather next week, 
there will not be any gatherings in smaller areas or other areas other than our large auditorium here. The doors are going to be open to the parking lot on the north and the south, as well as the typical entryway through the lobby. So everyone will have access in and access out. The air conditioners will not be on. That means you're going to have to dress for the temperature accordingly. It is not against God's will for you to show up in shorts, relax, just chill, come, and just be yourself. But whatever the temperature may be, hey, if it's 20 degrees, don't wear shorts, okay? Uh, not a spiritual thing, just a smart thing. So pay attention to whatever the weather's going to be that day and the time that you're going to be in the service, and, um, and come dressed, prepared, and accordingly, and and we'll just worship in this room together. Everyone will be joining us online. It'll be a great expression of what God's desiring to do in this next season of the church. But you need to pay attention to this because this is utterly significant to this working. Um, we are setting up on the Eventbrite website an event page that you will have to register for in order to be here. Because CDC guidelines are such that our, our social distancing has required us to spread out the chairs. I know you can't see it, but I'm looking at chairs that have six-foot perimeters, literally spaced all throughout um, the room, all the way to the back corners and all of that. So we only have about 140 seats available for the 930 service and then 140 seats available for the 1130 service. And we're going to disinfect uh, between the two services but realize two things. One, we're all going to be meeting in this room. We are not going to be having children's ministry. There'll be no uh, you know, adults with the kids in the rooms for, for DK Jr. The, the D kids aren't going to be taking, that won't be happening. We're all going to be in this room together who show up. And with only 140 seats, it is vital that you register. So that link has just been emailed to you. So you can click that link. You can go online, register for which of those services that you want to attend. And here's the deal. We are committed to accommodating whatever the need may be. Uh, answering the desire to gather. So if those two services fill up, then we're going to launch another service two hours later at 1.30, and we'll put that online as well. And if that service fills up, then we'll launch a fourth service at 3.30. We are committed to doing whatever it takes to answer the desire in a way that honors God, dignifies each other, and recognizes CDC guidelines, not out of fear, but out of wisdom, out of caution, out of recognizing what's going on in society, and out of recognizing um, some people, it's not just a matter of do they have a compromised immune system, but perhaps they're just uncomfortable in light of everything that's taken place. So please, when you show up this afternoon in the parking lot, and when you show up to church one week from today, listen carefully. Don't just go up because you're cool with it and high-five and hug and embrace. Um, CDC is asking six feet of space, And so we want to practice social distancing even when we're here. And maybe you and the other person are perfectly fine with that embrace. And that's all great if that, if that is the case. But the person standing next to you, um, that might impact them in a way that causes concern or embarrassment, that they aren't so open about it. Everybody is in a different place with all of this. And we just want to make room to give consideration to each other's immune system, what that may look like, each other's concerns, and to be honest with you, that's just loving your neighbor well. So we want to give that consideration. I'm inviting you as a church family, please do um, show up this afternoon. Let's come together. If you're comfortable with it in the parking lot, stay in the car. If not, but let's give the six-foot spacing. 
And then next week, it's going to be um, just a great time of worship online as well as on campus. And we're really working uh, diligently to cooperate with all CDC guidelines in the process of uh, walking all this out. So um, it's very clear that God is doing something significant right now. It's been interesting, but I've been um, drawn into a variety of interactions with different forums of leaders, pastors, and um, even this week, as I listened in on a conversation and interaction with a group of leaders, and they were talking about what they're sensing God is doing, and church leaders in many nations of the world were represented in that particular forum, and we're all sensing the same thing. And that is, this is not just a little pandemic that we get past and go back. And last week I spoke, don't go back. We don't want to go back. We want to go forward in everything that God desires. There's some things that have been good in times past, and we want to walk with those things, be strong in those things. But there's some things that we just need to lay down. And we're seeking God for guidance and direction as, as a destiny family of how to really embrace what God desires in this next season of the church. And it's very clear God is doing something uniquely significant right now in the body of Christ. Maybe you've sensed it in your time of prayer, just getting into the Word, which I want to encourage you to engage on a deeper level walking that out. But it is just amazing the invitation that we are sensing, so many of us, from the Lord himself, just getting into the Word and suddenly it's like he's inviting us deeper. Actually, this last week I, I, I read a, an article about uh, a door on the bottom of the ocean, and it was speaking of a word that somebody had sensed from the Lord that you had to go all the way to the deepest part to discover the door that would open to the vast treasures of God. And I just was reflecting on that, listening to what the Lord was speaking about that just in a, in a time of prayer and just thinking about how true I'm feeling invited deeper. And I felt the Lord was saying to me, it was really unique because I am a licensed uh, scuba diver. And so when you don't have a tank and you're just you know, diving down, then you can only go down as far as you're comfortable with being able to make it back up. And I kind of saw that. It was almost as if it was a vision the Lord was revealing that, that there was a diver at the surface of the water and he would dive down toward the door but would only go down as far as he was comfortable that he could get back to the surface. So he never could reach the door. And it was just the sudden awareness that God was speaking that he's taking us to the place, much like the diver, that will go past the point of no return. And once the diver went past the point where they knew they now could not get back to the top, God supernaturally empowered that diver to go all the way to the bottom and access the door and enter into an entirely different dimension of everything God has in store. I feel the anointing of God right now as I'm speaking that to you so powerfully. God is calling you deeper. He's calling me deeper. And I don't want to just show up here and experience the presence of God as a way we have church. <laughs> you know, it is, I've seen the t-shirts, the church has left the building. I want to walk understanding the presence of God as a way of life. I want to come to church and let, when we gather like this, be a residual expression of what's really going on. That I wouldn't see this as what's really going on, and this is where the power is, and you know, this is not like that. We're supposed to walk this out as a lifestyle of interaction with God Almighty. 
And so I want to encourage you to press into that as we talk about this today. We're focusing in in this season of what it is to be the roaring 20s. When Tracy gave that prophetic word, I knew it would be very significant for us for this particular season. The verse that she read that day was Amos chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. And it says, surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared, who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken, who can but prophesy? Or who can help themselves but prophesy? When the, the lion of the tribe of Judah brings the roar of declaration that awakens something within us, we can't help but declare the word of the Lord in the way we live and move and have our being according to Scripture. There's this incredible verse in Isaiah chapter 31, verse 4, and it speaks of the lion's growl. And I love it because the Hebrew word that translates to the lion's growl is also the Hebrew word that translates meditate. And what that really says to us is as we meditate on God's word, the roar of God is awakened within us. And I just want to say that again. I want to challenge you this week in times that you spend in the Word as you meditate on what God is revealing. The roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah begins to be awakened within you, almost as a cub's growl when we're just getting started understanding what this is all about. But it really evolves into an incredible roar that's from God himself that has the power to transform the world, move mountains, slay Goliath, that you'd rise up in the supernatural abilities and power of God Almighty. I've been focusing in on uh, several key verses right now just as I'm wanting to, to cultivate the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah, just as a Christian, I'm not trying to do it as your pastor. I just want as a Christian to learn more of this. So at various times in the course of the week, I'm just taking prayer walks and I'm engaging with these different verses and I wanna just read a couple of them with you and then a little bit later as we press into worship, I want us to, in uh, an expression of worship, really engage with these. But uh, Amos chapter three, which I just read of the lion of the tribe of Judah, that's my first primary verse because it's the season that we're in. Isaiah 43, verse 19 says, Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? Uh, I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. John 10, 27, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I love uh, Jeremiah 33, verse 3, Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. And then one of the ones that I have <coughs> loved <coughs> since we had kids, and when they were little, I found this verse, and it just meant so much to me, Isaiah 54, 13, all your sons and daughters will be taught by the Lord, and great will be your children's peace. And I'm just declaring in a day when we have heard so many prophecies about a great awakening that's about to sweep across the nations of the world, it could very well be we're living in the Joel 2 a prophecy declaration that in the last days your sons and daughters will prophesy and I'm proclaiming that your sons and daughters will be taught by God. They'll be awakened to the voice of God in powerful and profound ways. The title today of what I'm trying to emphasize and bring is Supernaturally Empowered. And I just want to encourage you in, a, in, a, in a, almost a, a natural uh, understanding of what it is to be supernaturally empowered by God. One of the biggest problems that I see with Christians is the feeling of being unqualified or underqualified to be used by God. 
And the reality is we feel unqualified because it's very normal and, and we're inclined to identify with our uh, dysfunction. And we all have dysfunction. Uh, you're in your home right now. You're sitting in a home with a family that has dysfunction. Some of you are looking at family members in the room and you're now having to look back at the screen because you were looking at them thinking about dysfunction. It is natural for my kids are probably looking at me right now as they're watching uh, thinking, yep, dysfunction. It's natural to have dysfunction. We live in a fallen world. We are a fallen people, and it is, we're inclined to identify with our dysfunction, but we are designed to identify with our destiny. In other words, we're not, we're not supposed to be rehearsing the shortcomings of, of who we're not or who we used to be. We're supposed to be rehearsing the, the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah about who he's called us to be and who we're about to become in the process of becoming everything God has designed us to be. We are designed by God to rehearse that, and that then causes us to explore into an entirely different dimension of being everything God's called us to be. But I'm going to just challenge you in your thinking in this because I think it, what I'm saying resonates with, with us all. But I want you to think about the fact that uh, what I believe is you are actually unqualified on purpose. And so if you'll just think about that for a moment, you're unqualified on purpose and this is actually part of God's plan in a fallen world for us to recognize that we are unqualified or underqualified on purpose so that we are truly reliant upon God. And so when we stop trying to be something we're not and we just embrace who we are, men and women of God who are in desperate need of God, then we stop trying to pretend and act and we just rest in who he's called us to be and we're completely and totally reliant upon it. Right now, I can, I can talk and, and give a, a nice little bullet point of message, but I know without a shadow of a doubt there is something supernatural transacting and taking place, and it's not because of me, it's because of him. It's because long ago I realized, recognized, understood, and embraced that I am unqualified to do what God has asked me to do. And only through the grace of God, and only through the blood of Christ, and only by the power of His Spirit, and only by the anointing that destroys every yoke of bondage, is there anything supernatural taking place right now by the sound of my voice, but something supernatural right now is taking place by the sound of my voice. God desires for us all to understand that we are a supernatural people, supernaturally empowered by God. How in the world is it that we read about in the Bible that a man's shadow would fall upon somebody and they would get healed? There is no substance in a shadow, but a person who learns to be so reliant upon God that they carry the anointing in such a way, their very presence in a room can drive demons away and release something of the kingdom of God in profound and significant ways. That's the church God is raising up in this hour. Not the church that's identifying with dysfunction, but the church that's beginning to identify with destiny in Jesus' mighty name. When are you more inclined to pray? When you're in full control of everything that's going on or when you seemingly are out of control? And of course the answer is when I'm not in control and things seem to be falling apart, that's when I tend to pray. And again, my point, we're in a sense designed to live a life where we understand we're unqualified, we're actually not in control, and the more we're in touch with that reality, the more in touch we are with the conversation that we need to be having with God on an ongoing basis. 
Maybe God asks us to do things beyond our ability so that we learn to tap into the very abilities of God to accomplish the things He's designed us to do. You know, we're focusing on Amos chapter 3, and it's such a great portion of Scripture. But I want to just break that down in a little bit of a different way today with what I'm going to share with you um, in the continuation of this, and that is understanding the, the writer, the, the minor prophet, Amos, um, he's writing this portion of Scripture that we're rehearsing now all this time later. God used him so powerfully, so mightily. I mean, he must have been a spiritual giant in his day. People around him must have looked at him and just thought, this person is so spiritually qualified. We must listen to everything he has to say. And the answer to that is absolutely none of that is true. And I want to point that out to you because I think it's a significant bit of information in this particular season when God is raising up seemingly underqualified people who are completely dependent upon God because they have embraced the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah, and the growl is being established within them as they meditate on what God is desiring to reveal. The original recipients of the message that Amos would bring were citizens of the northern kingdom of Israel. Now that's significant because Amos, uh, he was not a northerner. So here he is, an, an outsider, and you would think, you know, somebody with maybe the, the spiritual credentials of a prophet would be able to come in from the outside and have some sense of respect, but the problem is he actually was not a religious professional at all. He was not a recognized prophet. In fact, he was a farmer and a, and a, a rancher, and so he had no kind of credentials, and maybe that's how you feel, like, what, you know, what do I have to offer? What, you know, where have I had training or equipping? It's just a matter of understanding the call of God in your life, and that's what Amos had to understand and recognize in all of this. Here he is, an outsider and uh, you know, person coming in from, from a, a rural, little, little area, rural area in Judah, and he suddenly emerges having had these conversations uh, alone with God. He lived in this small area. I liken it to Godibo, Oklahoma, population 210. I googled Godibo to see what the population is. It's 210. So I want you to imagine a farmer coming from Godibo, Oklahoma, population 210, stepping onto the scene in this entire city across the nation, actually, and declaring, I have a word from God that's going to shift the spiritual landscape of everything that God's desiring to do. And I believe that if a farmer from Godibo, Oklahoma, has conversation with the lion of the tribe of Judah and begins to roar something of substantial value that truly is coming from the Spirit, it would have the power to shift the spiritual landscape in a profound and measurable way. And that's what's taking place in this particular story with Amos as he emerges, but the religious professionals of his day, they weren't really interested. In fact, the priest of Bethel made it clear that Amos was not welcome and that he should go home. He explained to him, you're really nobody. Your daddy was really nobody. Uh, probably he was thinking, your children will one day be nobody. And you know what? Nobody has nothing to say to nobody because nobody's going to listen to a nobody. 
And so here's the scenario, and he could have been greatly discouraged because here's this, the place of entrance where you know, he was going to be obedient to the Lord. How many of you know obedience to God isn't always met with loving embrace and acceptance from everybody around you? In fact, the people you think are going to encourage you the most many times are your greatest source of discouragement. And it's not because they mean to be used by the enemy. It's just they're misguided. They don't understand the cross that you're bearing on your shoulder fits your shoulder, not theirs. So don't expect them to applaud you. Just obey God. And here's Amos, he's just having to respond to the cross that's fitting his shoulder as, he, as he's walking this out. And here's this answer, it's just so incredible. The priest of Bethel makes all these degrading statements, and his answer is, I was neither a prophet, nor was I the son of a prophet. I was a shepherd, and I also took care of these sycamore trees. I mean, it's an interesting perspective when you really evaluate this, and I love his response because he said, I'm not a prophet. In fact... My dad wasn't a prophet. I mean, he just fully cooperated with all the accusations that were given his way. He says, you know what? I took care of these sycamore trees and, and uh, sycamore fig trees, but the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. Now hear the word of the Lord. He's saying, you can disqualify me all you want, but I have had to navigate through that in and of myself. And now I stand before the Lord my God in a posture of obedience to him, and you're going to have to deal with what God has to say as I am now willing to do whatever he's asked me to do. That's the spirit that comes upon the church in this particular hour where we will stop trying to present something we're not and we'll embrace who God's called us to be. If you don't know who you're not, then you don't know how to rely on God. If you're constantly trying to present something so that you're not received you know, in the way that you really are, then you're not really being who God designed you to be. And I've learned this about God. He doesn't anoint the person we think we should be. He anoints, he anoints the person we are. So resting in his gifts within our lives is so very significant. I want to just say to you, stop trying to prove yourself to people Stop trying to prove yourself to others. And especially, stop trying to prove yourself to people who are deeply committed to misunderstanding you no matter what you do to explain yourself. You know, I've just figured out my friends don't need explanations. And if they're enemies, they won't accept them even if I offer them. So I just try to relax and be who God's called me to be. And when I relax, what I have found is then I am revealed correctly. I appreciate Mike Justice, and he leads the National Day of Prayer. We'll actually be hosting that online right here in our um, auditorium this coming Thursday, in fact. And he just sent this message out to various speakers that are going to be a part of that. Tracy and I will be a part of that. Governor Stitt, uh, a number of different leaders in different forums in the community will be a part of that expression. But I love what he said. He said, the most important thing I can say to everyone speaking is just be yourself. And I remember when I spoke at a, a large event several years ago in the UK, the, the guy that was leading the event, he spoke to us right before we went up, and, and this, that's what he said to me. He said, Lawrence, I just want to encourage you, just relax and be yourself. He knew it was the biggest platform I'd ever stood on. And it was really great advice, and I've had to go back and rehearse that and just think about these, these, in a sense, spiritual giants, people that lead vast ministry expressions. In so many respects, that's what they're constantly trying to say to people. Don't get up and try and prove something. You don't have anything to prove. Just relax and let God use you powerfully. I, I just want to ask, I want to ask you, would you just relax? 
would you just take a moment right now, just sitting in your recliner or wherever you are, just breathe in and just breathe out. Just relax your shoulders. You know this tension that gets up here? You know that tension? I, I know that tension. It's like something happens, somebody says something, I read something online, I'm just like, you know, just, it just gets in your shoulder. I just want to say, breathe in, breathe in, go ahead, just do it, breathe in, deep breath in, just breathe out. And I pray, Holy Spirit, just right now in this moment, there will be a sense of being able to relax and rest in who you have designed us to be in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. I want to invite our worship team. They're going to make their way up to the platform. And in just a few moments, we're going to begin to just pray into some scripture. But along these same lines of underqualified Amos and maybe underqualified you and certainly underqualified me, I love the portion of scripture in Acts chapter 4 where it speaks of how the religious leaders of their day were astonished with the authority that Peter and John would speak from, the boldness that they carried, and they were uneducated men. In other words, in their minds, they were unqualified. They'd never been trained under a true rabbi, but they took note he had been with Jesus. They would never have recognized Jesus as a true rabbi, but he was the truest rabbi who still today is making disciples. The mode we saw when Jesus was walking on the planet is the mode he continues to walk in today. He makes disciples. Jesus is wanting to make disciples in a powerful and profound way. I want you to imagine what your life might look like if conversations with God simply became your way of life. Think about it. What could your, imagine, what could your life look like if conversation with God became your way of life? And it really doesn't matter how divinely designed by God you may be, and you are, if you don't explore and experience the prophetic nature of God in places of prayer and and the pursuit of God as a way of life, then that divinely designed purpose that God uh, made you for simply goes to waste. Uh, The scripture in Corinthians, Paul says, don't be like mere men. I mean, let's don't just act like everybody else in the world and apply religious principles. Let's activate the prophetic nature of God. The lion of the tribe of Judah is beginning to roar. God's awakening that within us as the sons and daughters of God. So I want to encourage you to take the time this week particularly and just really engage in places of prayer. It just seems like all week I've just been getting up extra early, just spending time. I just want to make sure I'm listening in a place of prayer. I want to encourage you as you're you're praying and listening, you read the scripture every day, turn the page, stay the course, get in the word, but journal anything you might sense is from the Lord. And when God reveals something to you, it might be appropriate sometimes just to contact that person that God is speaking to you about and, uh, and share that word. Every person I get around right now in my proximity, I'm just watching and looking at them and I'm just saying, Lord, what is it you're wanting me to pray for them about? And, and I don't have to pray for them in a way they know it, but if I feel compelled to do so, I will. But I shared in January, I was just in a place of prayer and, um, and I just felt the Holy Spirit giving me a word for the governor of our state. It was really a bizarre moment because I wasn't really praying about anything in particular. I wasn't even thinking about him. 
or the state of Oklahoma. I was just out in my backyard just listening, saying, Lord, I just want to hear your voice. And God spoke to me. And I'll tell you a little bit of what that word was. The Lord said to me that Governor Stitt was looking at a situation that seemed to be wide open and making great progress. But it was about to suddenly go into gridlock. But that he was not to be concerned because God was in control. And three months later, that situation that was about to go into gridlock would open up. And so, you know, I really hadn't shared a prophetic word like that with uh, Governor Stitt, but I got that word to him. And um, within 24 hours, he called me. And he said he got that word. And hours after he got the word, it all came to pass in the first part of it. And there was a situation, and he explained the details of it, which I'll, I don't know how sensitive any of that is, so uh, I'll just leave it at that. But a situation that looked like it was really about to move forward and make great progress, and just all of a sudden it all collapsed. And his whole cabinet, his whole staff, he said they were just freaking out over the whole situation. And he said, I just called them in, and I read your prophetic word. And he said, I just told my staff, you know, God's not taken by surprise. I got this word before we got that information. And God's big enough to take care of it. And so it was a, re a real encouragement to them. Well, I didn't even think about it. But last week marked three months. And uh, I got a, a message, uh, a text from Governor Stitt. And he said uh, he remembered the word that I had spoken. And the situation that had gone into gridlock in January is now opening up in April. In fact, opened up as a result of uh, just some things that have happened. All I'm saying about all that is that's just a normal way of life for every son and daughter in the earth to have conversations with God in a way that he's revealing things that he desires to bring to pass. See, you and I were created to be fascinated. We really were created to be fascinated. And we have to be careful what we allow to fascinate us. You know, if we allow video games to fascinate us, then video games will dominate us. If we allow sports to fascinate us, then sports will dominate us. Whatever it is we allow to fascinate us, it will dominate us. We were created to be fascinated. And only Jesus will dominate you in a way that he releases his dominion in you so that you become everything he's called you to be. You were created to be fascinated. Here's the big statement. The less you pay attention to the Holy Spirit, the more you will thirst for entertainment. And it's such a cheap substitute to everything God's called you for. I just, I just want to say some people might be watching right now and you just say, you know, I don't really know where I am in my relationship with God. I'm not sure about all this, like God speaking. And here's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to figure it all out. In fact, God took all the vast wisdom of his eternal nature and embodied that wisdom in Jesus. And he sent Jesus to identify with us so that we then could embrace Christ. And in embracing Jesus, then that unlocks the wisdom of God in these layers as we grow and mature in Him. But it all starts by simply accepting Jesus Christ for who He says He is. He is the Savior of the world. He came, He lived, and He died so that we might have life. He wants to rescue you from your sins and give you a life filled with incredible purpose so that you're not constantly thirsting for entertainment that you realize really never fulfills that drive that exists within your soul. 
So I just want to pray for you right now. If you're, if you're listening, you say, you know, I want to make a decision to serve the Lord. Then I want to ask you if you just say amen out loud right now, saying, yes, that's me. I want to make that decision. And Lord, I just pray for every person right now that made a sound of their voice. Lord, that you would invade their heart, invade their home, wherever they are listening to this. Draw them deeper into the purposes of God. We know that you are who you say you are. You really are the Savior of the world. You died on a cross. You were buried in a grave, but you're risen from the dead. And we embrace today, Lord, that you're helping us become more of who you called us to be. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you agree with that prayer, would you just say it out loud, amen. Not just if it was a salvation prayer, but you want to become more of who God's designed you to be. Say it out loud, amen. Yes, so be it. We agree. I want to challenge you this week. Turn the page every day. If you don't know what the Turn the Page Challenge is, then find, uh, I know you can find it, pastordude.com forward slash turn the page. And it's an explanation of the Turn the Page Challenge with messages on every book of the Bible, how you can find Jesus in each one of those books as you're reading through the Bible. Make time to read your Bible. Make time to listen to the Holy Spirit's guidance in your life as you begin to walk this out. And right now, we just want to be available to pray with you. We actually have Zoom rooms set up. And if you're watching on any social media avenue platform, uh, even if you're on our website, you'll see the moderator will post it. But there's a link they're going to post, and you can click on that. You can go to a Zoom room where we will uh, have some live interaction with you, pray for you about anything that's going on. They'll actually put you into separate rooms with prayer leaders so that you can just take some time and just receive some ministry. And I want to encourage you. I want to bring a declaration. And that declaration is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. And it says, May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And I pray, Lord, right now that the fellowship of the Holy Spirit would become a greater understanding, a greater revelation of what we walk in as a way of life. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. This, this is what I'm focusing in on and praying. I'm just going to declare some of these verses as we prepare our hearts to go into a place of worship. And as I finish praying into these verses, I want to invite you. Don't just watch and listen to the music, but participate. Invite your family in closer. Turn up the volume on your TV and encourage your children. Say, look, we're going to press in. We're going to experience the presence of God in our home right now. Maybe you've never done that before. It's amazing. It's fascinating. So I just invite you as a family, just press in and really engage. And I'm declaring today this verse that we're centering around this season, Amos 3, 7 to 8. Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to the servants, the prophets. The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken. Who can but prophesy? Isaiah 43, 19. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. John chapter 16, verse 13. But when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. 
Isaiah 50, verse 4, the Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples. Come on, would you say amen to that? We just receive. He's given us the tongue of disciples. In other words, the words that we declare are words from God. We've heard the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah. God has given us the tongue of disciples that we may know how to sustain the weary ones around us with a word from God. He awakens us morning by morning. He awakens our ear to listen as disciples. God, you awaken our ears. You awaken us. Activate something within us. You are the lion of the tribe of Judah. I thank you, Father, for the power of God that is demonstrated in our world as we surrender to the cross of Jesus Christ and we recognize the Spirit of God that is activating the gifts of God within us in profound and amazing ways. It is true in you, Lord. We live and move and have our being. And I pray, Lord, your presence would invade our hearts. I pray, Lord, that your presence would invade our homes. I pray, Lord, that you would have your way as we press in and engage on a deeper pursuit, even today, in Jesus' mighty name.